0: A miracle is simply the intervention of God. And today I want to take a few moments and talk to you about how uh, to be a miracle starter. There are miracles God wants to do in your life. What does that mean? It means there's places in your life where he wants to intervene, where he wants to add his power and his strength to your life that couldn't get done without him. And there's places where he wants to use you to start miracles in somebody else's life. And we want to talk about that a little bit this morning. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me and open your Bibles uh, to John chapter 6. Now, while you're doing that, let me, let me clarify a couple of things. I want you to really, really hear me. There's no adult or children's service Wednesday night. No adult or children's service this Wednesday night there are junior high and high school services at the Jefferson Street site this Wednesday night for your junior hires and high schoolers. So don't show up here Wednesday night. If you do, walk around and pray a lot. You'll have plenty of room to do it. And uh, just pray and see God. Next Sunday, uh, I'm going to share with you some things that the elders have been working on for the last year. And some of our dreams and our desires, some things that we really want to see get embedded. About a year ago, a little less than a year ago, we sat down out here in, in one of our rooms and, and talked about things we, we wanted to see happen in our church and in our fellowship. And we've, we've moved forward on several of those things. But the big one that we're going to talk about next Sunday. And uh, I really want to encourage you to be here and be a part of that regular service times. Uh, next Sunday. Finally, before we read the word, everybody should have gotten uh, one of our 50th anniversary pledge cards. We had a tremendous response to this. I want to thank everybody who, who made a pledge, who made a commitment uh, to help us so that we can move forward and do the ministry we want to do uh, this year. Many of you know we've got some land that we need to get sold. We have a buyer. There's some holdups there that are going to really release some funds for us to do some things. In the meantime, we want to keep doing things. And uh, for us to do that, uh, we need folks to sign up and say, hey, I I can do an extra $500 this year, $1,000, $3,000, whatever God would lay upon your heart. And many of you have done that. Some have have, uh, just been tremendous blessings, and everybody who's pledged has been a tremendous blessing. An offering is a free will offering. And so today at the end of this service, uh, as we start this year, We need about 100 more people. Now, I don't know how many pledges we got in last night. There seemed to be a good response last night. But as of last night, I needed about 100 more pledges for us to really be able to do the things we need to do. And so I'm asking everybody that while I'm speaking today, fill this card out. And on the front of it, there's a place to say, I already made a commitment and to say, yes, I already did this. And and later, you'll get a chance to drop this in the offering bucket. But if you haven't done that, uh, just let the Lord speak to you today in this message about what he'd have you to do extra this year to help us, help this church go forward in ministry that we have. And as I said, we need about 100 more people to jump, out, jump on board and help us this year. In John chapter 6, verse 1, we read a, a very familiar story <clears throat> about God, about Jesus intervening and, and doing a miracle that kind of blows our minds. I mean, I, I think about this a little bit, and I, I think about uh, what it would be like if I called some of the people in here, Diane and Tina and the Koontz's and some that work on our food ministries up, and I got them up here today, and I said, hey, look at all these people here. Let's feed them right now. How they would look at me if I said that. And this is what happens in this story. Except that it's not this number of people. It's over 5,000 people. And Jesus, as of the mind, to feed them all. Listen to what it says. It says, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he knew himself what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough to feed each of them, for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down about 5,000 in number. Then, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed it to them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up in twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Father, when you move miraculously in our lives, it should remind us that the King of Kings has come into the world that you're active with us today. Father, when the world around us sees your miracle-working power, they too can proclaim the king has come into the world. And we pray for our community, our city, for our world, that, Father, we would be part of those miracles and that you would intervene and show yourself and take care of the needs of people all around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a moment, say hello to somebody around you and, agreement in the lord Well, I hope you've had a, a good start to the new year already. And, and I, I, my prayer is that this year will be blessed, that you'll have the blessing of God upon your life this year. And one of the ways this will be a great eventful year is if you'll allow God to use you. If you'll get hungry for God to use you. You know, you look at this event in the Scripture here a little bit and you have several things going on. You have a crowd that is following after Jesus. Jesus has done such miraculous things. The testimony of his power has gone out to people. They have seen things, they've heard things, and they are now following Jesus because of these miracles. Some are wanting to see them, some are needing them, some have just simply heard about them, but here they come. And you have Jesus there and and, and they're, they're ways from any community and he, he sees the crowd and he, he's looking at them and he has some sympathy for the crowd he, he knows they have a need now no one seems to think in this crowd at this point in time that it's Jesus' responsibility to feed them we, don't, we get no indication of that but Jesus he feels it's his responsibility to feed them He saw a need, and he wants to help us. This is good news for us, friends, as we read the Bible. To know that Jesus sees our needs, the great ones and the small ones. He's not too busy for any of us. He's not unaware of any need. And he wants to meet people's needs. Jesus intended in that hour to meet their need. And Jesus had the power to meet the need. That's also good news for us. Whatever need you bring into 2017, Jesus has the power to meet that need. And, and you may sit there and say, well, I, I've just got a little. I don't know how he's going to do that. A little is enough in Jesus' hand. Many times us, what we have and what's before us doesn't seem like enough to us. It doesn't seem like we have the answer. But in Jesus' hand, it's always the answer. Now, I love this part of how Jesus works in this because it, it teaches us something about how he works with us. Jesus puts the disciples to a test. Very specifically, he puts Philip to the test. And he looks at Philip and he says, you see all these people here, Philip? Uh, you know, where are we going to buy food? Where are we going to buy bread to feed all these people? And Philip is like freaking out. He's like, Brian, who are you kidding? You know, if we, but if we spent all, and he talked about all the money it would take, and if we, we spent all of that money, and it was a huge amount of money, he said, if we spent all of that money, we, we would just give him a little and it wouldn't even be enough. I mean, the, the, the question, Jesus, is, is this kind of ridiculous for us to even think about? It. I mean, uh, think about it right now, if we decided to give, uh, everybody in here just a hamburger, and, and we ran out down to McDonald's down the road and said, okay, we need, you know, 800, 1,000 hamburgers. Now, I, I've been a part of feeding, you know, a couple hundred teenagers pizzas. You don't just call the pizza place up and say, we're coming down in 15 minutes, have, you know, have, a, have 80, 80 pizzas ready for us. You, you've got to let them know. There's some preparation That goes into this and Jesus is looking at him saying, we got 5,000 people here, where are we going to go buy bread for all these people? And Philip is like, oh my goodness, we don't even have the money to do that, let alone the time to do it. Now here's the problem. Philip is one of the guys who's been with Jesus from the very beginning. He's watched Jesus do the miracles. He's seen things happen that only God could do. Most likely, Philip was at the wedding of Cana when he turned the water into wine. And so Jesus is testing. Have you learned anything, Philip, about how I work? Has the past informed your future in any way? And at this moment, at this one particular time, like many of us, Philip fails the test he doesn't learn the lesson see the right answer that philip should have given is this well lord i don't know where in the world we can go to buy enough bread to feed all of these people but i've watched you for the last couple years and if you want to do something it gets done what do you want me to do this is a great lesson as you walk through this next year. This is a great lesson for every believer. To look into the Word of God, to read the Word of God, to see what God is capable of, of doing, to look at what he's done in your past, and when you face the new trial of today, to say, God, I don't, I don't see where I have enough to do this, but I know you're enough. I know you're great enough. God, I don't know how my child who's far from you is going to get the light turned on. Their light. I've done everything I can do. God, now it's up to you. I don't know how you're going to save this relationship, God, but I know you can do it. I I don't know how you're going to touch my lost friend, but God, I'm doing everything I can. I know you can do it. Whatever miracle you're in. God, this health issue in my life, the doctors don't seem to have an answer. I I don't have an answer. God, it's got to be in your hands now. There's got to come a point in our life where we recognize who we're dealing with here. And Philip Still hadn't quite gotten it for that moment in time. At the same time, Andrew's standing there, listening to all of this uh, going on, and and Andrew uh, comes a bit closer. He speaks up and he says, "Well, Jesus, we we have this boy over here. This young boy, and he's got five barley loaves and two fish." Now I don't know what kind of attitude he said that in. I don't know if he was kind of laughing or snickering or kind of testing Jesus, trying to feel his way through it. But he looks at Jesus at the end of it, he says, but you know what are they you know what are they with so many people? He's not quite there either. But Jesus says, That's enough. That's enough. Have everybody sit down. And they set the men down. Now the one part of this story that I always wonder about is a part that I've I've read books on and I I never have gotten anybody that really speaks clearly to it. It's the boy. Where'd the boy come from? The crowds have been following Jesus for days. Bigger crowds have been coming. They're kind of out in the, the wilderness a little bit. They're away from most of the cities and Here's this little boy. Whose boy is it? Is, is he a relative of one of the close followers? Is he just some kid wandering around? Is, you know, and I've been around kids. I, I've been around young kids enough to know that some of them, when the, they like to get to where the action's at. I kind of imagine maybe this was just a curious kid who had heard this thing was going on. Mom gave him a few barley loaves and a few fish, and he said, I'm going to go have an adventure. And he's out, and he knows the crowd, and he gets out there, and he sees the crowd, and he's not content being at the back of things. He starts working his way through the crowd like kids will do. And he gets up to where the actions, are there's Jesus. That's the guy they say does, does all the miracles, and here's all of his followers, and he's kind of hanging out there, and, and, and they're you know, talking about food. Now here's what I don't think happened. I don't think that at that moment that he has been up there for a while and while everything's going on, Andrew's been eyeing him. That kid's got food. <laughs> Wonder what I can do to get that kid's food. I think, I'm bigger than him. I can just take his food. Is anybody with him? Doesn't seem like anybody's with him. I can take his food and that'll just be the way it is. Hey, Jesus, this kid's got some food. You think he's going to take the food from the kid in that kind of a setting? Here's kind of how I think it probably happened. I think, I think it's talking about food, and there's not enough food. They don't have any food. They don't know where to go get it. And in all the sincerity that a little kid can have, that thinks, hey, maybe what I have can meet the need. He tugs on Andrew's clothes, and he says, I have some food. Andrew's looking down at that and he's looking over, and he's like, I gotta gotta tell Jesus about this. Hey, hey, look, (laughs) this little kid's offering us his food. It's five barlows, a couple of fishes. (laughs) Isn't that cute? Isn't that cute? I know it's not enough to do anything. And Jesus goes, have everybody sit down. Let's have everybody be seated. And he begins to do something that blows everybody's mind. See, that's how I imagine it kind of unfolded. Here's what we need to remember in this story. Some of you are in tight places. You're facing some big obstacles in 2017. But remember, a little is enough in Jesus' hands. What we've got to do is get our... Get our hands in Jesus' hands and not be confused about who the master is. My dad used to tell a story about me and him when I was little. I was too, I'm too, I was too little at the time to even remember the story. But I've heard him tell it so many times and share it so many times that I'm, I'm very acquainted with the story. There was apparently a time uh, when, when we, that had an ice storm in Springfield, kind of like what we had a couple of weeks ago, and, and I was with my dad someplace, and we had to cross the street. And it was icy, and we, we, as we headed out the door, I'm just a little guy, and he, he, he says, give me your hand. And I said, why? And he said, well, there's, there's ice out here now, and I don't want you to fall. I don't want you to slip, so I'm going to hold on to you so you won't fall. And so he takes my hand and we start across the street and we get about halfway across the street and he loses his footing. And he slips and he barely controls himself. Doesn't fall on the ground but get, get, gathers his composure. All the time he's holding my hand. And he gets back, on, he gets back where he's back on, in control of things. Takes a big breath and I look up at him and say, it's a good thing you had my hand. You know, we get confused sometimes, don't we? We serve a God who doesn't slip. We serve a God who will never fall. We'll serve a God who's always in control. And he wants us to put our hand in his hand. And sometimes we're walking through life and something happens to us and we feel like God's slipping and we better take control. Friends, I want to tell you, God's always in control. When the feet are flying, it's not his feet, it's our feet. When things are unstable, it's not because he's unstable. It's because we live in a world that gets unstable and things have happened. But if we hold on tightly to his hand and we, be, and we are obedient to him, he's never going to stumble. He's never going to fall. He's going to hold us up at just the right moment. We just have to put our trust and remember that the God that we serve is always there for us and will always be there with us. Miracles require God action. But remember, so many times he uses us to start that process. This little boy became a miracle starter. A part of a story that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. We're not just talking about the fact that Jesus fed 5,000. We're talking about a little boy who was there who gave up his loaves and his fishes that Jesus used to feed 5,000. I think someday in heaven, I'm going to be walking down the street, some, one of those golden streets someday, and somebody next to me is going to nudge me and say, that's him. I'm going to say, who? That's the little boy right there. That's the little boy who gave up the loaves and the fishes and became a part of a story that was told for the next 2,000 years about how God can meet our need if we trust in Him. What a great thing to be a part of a story like that. I, I think that little boy probably, if he's anything like our family, he probably spent the rest of his life telling that story. I, 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 he, he probably told it so many times, his kids were like, Yeah, Dad, we know, you were there. You fed 5,000, you gave your loaves, you gave your fish. You get, we know, Dad. Okay, you're going to tell our kids. now. Kids, listen to Dad. Listen to Dad. Grandpa has a story to tell you. I think if anybody comes around, him, ever came around him and said, hey, you were, you were around, you were a little kid when, Jesus, when that Jesus guy was around. Did you ever run into him? I sure did. I sure did run into Let me tell you what happened in my life. Hey, do you think he was really the son of God? Let, let me tell you, let me tell you, buddy. I, I was there at the front. I was just a little kid. They, 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 that, we were out in the wilderness. There were the 5,000 people there that needed to be fed. And, 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 and I was just up there and I just kind of, you know, as a little kid, I was just a little kid. I said, here's my loaves, here's my fishes. And, and, and he, he said, okay, I'll, I'll take them. And he sat down and I sat there and watched him bless them and break them and put them into basket after basket after basket after basket after basket basket. and my loaves and my fishes they never ran out it just came coming more and more and more and he fed all those people there and at the end they collected it all and there was more left over than I gave him yeah I believe he's the son of God I believe that boy was blessed by that story and moved by that story and told that story over and over again. And he's reminded of the miracle working power of God. And I want to tell you today God wants you to be a miracle starter. He wants to give you some stories that people will talk about and people will share. And that'll build your faith. And it'll be stories to tell in heaven, little ones and big ones. This last week, Bob and Lorna Purvis were out uh, out having dinner. and uh, where they were sitting, they saw a man there. And the man was sitting by himself, and he was been on and off the phone. He was obviously pretty distraught. I think maybe he was even weeping. And they felt we should, we should talk to this man. We should encourage him some way. We should tell him, we should offer to pray for him or something. And they just felt this leading that they should, you know, go to this stranger they didn't know and, and talk to him. But before they got the chance, suddenly a man just jumped up and, and walked out the door and was gone. And they thought, well, we missed our chance. few minutes later they were leaving the restaurant and as they were walking out of the restaurant they saw the man sitting in his car his window was down a little bit, it was a nice day so Bob said okay I'm going to go for it you know those moments are a little frightening you feel like you're on a high wire a little bit of moments like that and he walked over and, and told the man, he said, I, 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 look, I, I don't mean to get in your business. I just couldn't help but noticing that you were upset. And, and, and I just want you to know that God loves you. God has a plan for you. Whatever you're facing, God's going to help you through it. If you just ask him, he's going to be with you. And the man looked up at him in the car and he said, I just got off the phone with my pastor. And he told me those exact same words. Now, do you think that maybe God wanted to reinforce that in that guy's life? Do you think this is just a small intervention of God? Saying, here's a guy that I love going through something. I don't know what it was. None of us in this room know what, but it was breaking his heart. And God wanted him to get the message. So this guy was smart enough. He got on the phone. He called his pastor. He said, Pastor, what's going on? What do I need to do? And the, guy, the pastor said to him, listen, just remember God loves you. Just remember that God's got a plan for your life. Just remember God's going to help you through it. And he, he's sitting there in his car. He hangs up his phone. He's sitting there for a minute, soaking in what the pastor said to him. And all of a sudden, there's this strange guy standing at his window. Hey, I don't know what's going on but I just want you to know, God loves you. God's got a plan for your life. Whatever you're facing, God's going to get you through it. Do you think that might have reinforced the word of God into that guy's life just a little bit? See, I think God wants to release his people to go out into this world and to be miracle starters, to be people who will go out and be led by the Spirit of God to do things and to say things that will lift people's spirits, that will change people's directions, that will bring life into people's lives, that will encourage people when they need to be encouraged. But we have to be willing to offer the loaves and the fishes. We have to be willing to obey. We have to get up to where the action's at and hear what Jesus is talking about And be a part of it. Here's what I found about being around people and God. Some people are just resistant to God. Now, frankly, uh, resistant people to God are probably not at church on New Year's Day. They they probably had other things going on last night that keeps them from church too much. Resistant people, they want to do their own thing. They just want to do their own thing. They they, want to live their own life. They want to set their own morals. They want to set their own direction. They just want to do their own thing. And they're resistant. But but then you've got some people who are aware of God, and they know God's there. They believe in him. They want to go to heaven. They just don't want the reality of God to mess with their lives too much. That's why we've been challenging you over the last month to take some time and get alone and say, If Jesus is the Son of God, what does that really mean to my life? Because if Jesus is the Son of God, that really messes with our life. It doesn't mess with it in a way that you go in and you see a big mess afterwards. It messes with it in a way that you go in and everything straightened up and looks good afterwards. But it changes the way you see the world when you really begin to think about the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. It really begins to reorder things. So some are aware of him, but they don't want the reality of that to, to mess with them. So you can talk to them about tithing, but he's not going to tithe. He doesn't want God to mess with his life that much. You, you, can, you can talk to him about prayer and his need to have a prayer life, and, and maybe he'll pray at dinner and thank God for his food, and he'll certainly pray at church, and if things get really desperate, he'll pray, but to really develop a prayer life and, and an intimate time with God, he's not, he's not going to do that. You can talk to him about reading, the, reading his Bible, and, you know, he's not going to accept that challenge. You can talk to him about coming on Wednesday night for discipleship and, He's going to say, well, that sounds great. I'm glad they're doing something. But he's not showing. He knows enough. I know enough. I've grown up in this thing. I know enough. I always, you know, I always tell people, say they, they know enough, they want to be in the class. Then you should be a teacher. Come and help us. If you know that much, you should be working. You can talk to them about going to a small group or getting involved in a ministry. And that commitment's never going to come down the road. This person wants enough of God to make it to heaven but isn't interested in being formed in him or used by him. He's never going to give up the loaves and the fishes. And because of it, he's never going to experience the miracles. He's going to miss the great things of God. Then you have the cooperative follower. He believes and he wants to follow. But I want you to hear this. But you have to convince him about everything. Nothing's easy. Whatever it is, you've got to convince him. You've got to to try to get him on your side. You've got to cast a a new vision in a compelling way instead of them just saying, you know, I want to follow after God. If you convince him, tithing is biblically based. If you can get him cornered long enough to show him the Scripture and show him the promises, well, he'll do that. And later he'll say, well, I wish I'd have started that earlier. But you've got to convince him first. You've got to really work him over. He, he loves God. And he wants to serve God. But you, gotta, you, you can talk to him about going to a small group, And but he's resistant. He's, he's like, I'm just not one of those guys, you know. I'm just not one of the guys that goes to, to small groups, but... Maybe a few friends get around, a few people get with him, and they, they say, come one time. If you come one time, uh, we'll leave you alone. He thinks, okay, to get my wife off my back, get my friends off my back, I'll go once. And he goes, and he finds some life, and he comes out of going, you know what, I was... I mean, he, he's not hard to... Con- he, he, he's not hard to get there. You just have to convince him to get him there. This guy, he has, he has no plans about ever going on a missions trip. I mean, we talk about missions trips, and going on missions trips and he sits there and he looks at the people going he goes good for them I'm glad they're going it's not for me it's not my thing and then there comes a missions trip and a couple of his buddies sign up and they say hey man you ought to go with us he goes oh man that's just not me that's just not me no, really, you really, you ought to go with us. It'd be great. It'd be great for you. We're going to do, we're going to do this project and do this thing. We'll, we'll have a fabulous time. Come and go us. all, man. No, 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 no. And he gets in a church service, and he hears an appeal, and, and his, you know, he's kind of sitting there, and his buddy's behind him poking him, say, you should go with us, man. You should go with us. He gets home, and his wife says, hey, your, your buddies have been talking to me about the ministry. Yeah, yeah, I know. They're, they're, they're bugging me. Too. She goes, I think you should go. He goes, really? Yeah, I really think you should go. I think it would be good for all of us if you went. (laughs) Really? And reluctantly, he signs up and hops on the plane with his buddies, thinking, okay, I'll get through these 10 days as fast as we can. And and he gets out to some part of the world he's never been before. He's seen things he's never seen before. He experiences God moving in ways he's never experienced before. He sees people who are so grateful for the littlest, simplest things that he can't even imagine that he would just look at them and say they're not even good enough for me to have. And yet these people are so grateful for them. And and, and he feels some life and energy. He feels the hugs of little kids and the hugs of, of people around thanking him for doing the. And he comes back so pumped up and so full of life that he walks back in the door going, When's the next one? He's conv- you can get him there. It just takes a lot of work to get him there. You've got to push him a little bit. You've got to stay after him. You talk to him uh, uh, about having the talk with his friends that, are, that he doesn't know whether they're saved or not, and he has no intention of ever doing that. He makes zero plans. If he's cornered, he'll talk to him, but he's not offering the loaves and fishes on his own. He has no intention of ever walking up to a stranger and saying, "Hey, I think God wants me to tell you that He loves you and He's watching over you." Loves God, but he's going to miss some miracles in life. There's another person. I, I like to call these people the "why not" followers of Christ. This is what I want to encourage you to become. This is the gal that hears the challenge to pray every day and says in her spirit, why wouldn't, why not? Why wouldn't I do that? I believe in God, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, I believe that his promises are true and he says that if I pray for my family and I, and I pray for my community and I, I pray for that he'll move, why wouldn't I begin to pray? So this is the person that, Here's the appeal to give to missions. And they sit and they go, I've got a nice home. I've got a nice job. I, I've got nice things. Why wouldn't I give to help feed somebody, to help take the gospel to someone? Why wouldn't I give something? God, what would you have me do? What would you have me do? This is the person that when there's an appeal for an outreach event, they, they may sit there and say, they're going to sit there and say, why wouldn't I get involved in that? They may, at the end of the day, they may say, Oh, that's on a date that I can't go. But what can I give to support it? What, maybe, maybe I can bring some clothes to give away there. Maybe I can supply some food to give away there. Maybe, maybe I've got some resources. But why, why shouldn't I be involved in that? Why shouldn't I do something? It's the person that hears about ministry and ministry opportunities. They say, you know what? This is my home church. This is where I I go. I'm supposed to make the church stronger. I'm supposed to use my gifts to build a church. Why wouldn't I be involved in the ministry? What's keeping me? What are the things in my life that are keeping me from saying yes to God and stepping out into a place and being used of God? Why, Why wouldn't I worship Why would I just stand here and watch? God is worthy of my place. Why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I have the talk with those that I love? That's the kind of Christian I think we need to be. Shortly after I came here as youth pastor, Doris and Luther Miller moved to Springfield, and, you know, I was a youth pastor, and they were, you know, I don't know, 40s or 50s maybe, and our paths didn't cross much, but over the next several years, they began to cross more and more. We began to spend more and more time together. And, uh, you know, Luther, Luther and Doris, as you know, moved back to Kansas just a few months ago. And they just became pillars. They, they were just these kind of people. We have church on Sunday night? Huh, why wouldn't I go? We have a pledge? Well, why wouldn't I give something to that? Oh, missionaries are showing up. What? Why wouldn't I invite them into my home? Why wouldn't I show up and hear what God's doing around the world? Why wouldn't I do this? There's a ministry you want me to be involved in. What? See the why not? The why not may lead to a reason why you can. You may sit and say, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm 80 now, and I'm probably not going to be a youth sponsor, but I can sure pray for those kids. I can sure ask God to move in their life." The why not leads us to good answers. What would keep me from being a part of the work of God? And that's what I want to challenge you to think about today. What kind of a believer are you? Miracle starters are why not believers. The loaves and fishes are there, and they're ready to be offered. My grandfather was raised Roman Catholic through a tough set of circumstances. He was a young man. He'd gotten married, and his, his wife was very sick. And through, to make a long story short, he and her ended up in the Midwest. She would eventually pass away. But he got involved in that time. He got involved with a, an evangelist, a tent evangelist. Now, he was a Roman Catholic boy that God had begun to work on his life. He didn't have a born again experience with Christ. And he started showing up with this tent evangelist. Before long, he's setting up the tent for him, setting up the chairs for him, taking care of things for him. Time goes by, and, and now his first wife has died, and he's met another woman. They get married. One would eventually be my grandmother, and before long, they're not setting up the tent anymore. They're leading worship for the ten evangelists. It's not long until after they're leading worship for the ten evangelists that where the tents would go, where they would go, and they would have a, a revival. They would leave a group of people who gotten saved, and they'd, 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 they'd take them and start a church. And so when the tent moved on, somebody had to stay and pastor that church until it got on its feet and, and until there were enough people there for it to sustain itself. And, and so they started staying and pastoring those little churches. Now this is back in the 1930s. There's not a lot of welfare, not a lot of things going on. The depression's going on. All kinds of things are a struggle. But by now they have, you know, four, at least four kids, maybe five. And they're in one of these little towns where they're trying to get this church off the ground. My grandpa comes home one night, and he gets to the house where they're staying, and he comes in the door. My grandma meets him at the door, and says to him, "We got nothing for dinner. I have nothing to feed you. I've got nothing to feed the kids." He says, "Okay, uh, set the table." She goes, "No, no, you don't understand." I didn't say we we just have a little. I'm not saying we just have a little. I'm saying we have nothing to feed the kids and to feed you. Nothing. Zero. He says, "I, I, I understood. I understood. Set the table. She was an obedient wife. She was a wife of faith. Kind of got an idea where he was going, and so she went, and Set the table. So there's this table. It's empty. All it's got on it is the silverware and the plates and the glasses just sitting there. And he calls the family into the table. Him and his wife and, you know, four, three, four, five kids at that time. Sits down at that table and he doesn't pray, oh God, you got me into a mess here. Get me out. No, he lifts up his voice and he begins to pray, God... You're my provider. And I want to thank you for the food we're about to eat. I want to thank you for your provision. And while he's praying, while while he and that family are sitting around that table, there's a knock on the door. They stop praying. They go to the door. And here are two ladies they've never seen before in their life, will never see again. Stand at the door. And the first lady says to to my grandfather, I'm looking for a preacher named Pano. And he says, "Uh, you found him. Why? And she said, we're from, they're from Ohio, two states away. A couple of days ago, we were praying. And God told us to come to this city to look for a preacher named Paino that he needed food. So we started driving. Now you gotta realize this was back before there was an internet. You couldn't go and go, is there really a preacher named Paino in that city? You couldn't go look anything like that up. You couldn't get directory assistance and call and say, are there any preachers over there named Paino? You couldn't do anything like that back in that day. You didn't even have interstate highway to drive. You just drove from community to community as you could get there. They had driven all the way through there for the last couple of days, got into this city, found a grocery store, filled up the back seat of the car with groceries, filled up the trunk with groceries, and then began to ask people, where's a preacher named? Paino at. They finally found somebody said, so we think he and a bunch of kids lived out in this house down here. We think that's where he's at. And these two ladies while my grandma is looking at my grandpa saying, we got no food. then he's saying, set the table it's about to come. Two days earlier, God's been moving in somebody's life. He's been talking to somebody. They've been driving across two states. They've been buying groceries. He's sitting down at the table and he's saying, God, thank you for providing for me. And at just the perfect moment, Hey, is there a preacher here named Paino and we got some food for him? Yeah. Praise God. You know, those women didn't stay for dinner. We don't know their names to this day, but for the past 80 years, our family has talked about two ladies from Ohio that were used of God to show up at just the right time for a miracle to happen inside of the, our, our family's lives. And I believe that someday, once again in heaven, somebody's going to point to me and say, see those two ladies over there? Your family's talked about them for 80 years. There they are. They're the ones who heard God and took took a step of faith and drove across two states and were used of God to meet a need at just the right time. Now, I don't know about you, friend, but I want to be somebody like that. I want to be somebody that God can whisper in my ear and say, go talk to that guy right now. I want to be somebody that God can whisper in my ear and say, go get involved in that ministry right now. I want to be somebody that will be obedient to God. See, if we'll choose to be obedient to God, you can become a part of his story. It takes faith. It takes obedience. It takes a willingness to give, both great and small. God looks for boys who will walk out and face giants. God looks for men who will pray no matter what the threat of the king is. God looks for young men who won't bow when they're still standing in front of the, when they're standing there in front of the furnace, who will cover the sacrifice with water, knowing that God can still light it on fire. God likes people and looks for people who are willing to start miracles. Friends, it may be a Sunday school teacher who just every week, week after week after week loves the children that come into her room, loves them, serves them, and they leave that room and they talk about that Sunday school teacher and how much they feel loved by God. It may be a small group leader who cherishes people, loves people, and the hurting hours of their life is there with them in the great hours of their life. It may be a greeter who welcomes people in every week and makes them feel warm and welcome or an usher who helps take care of people or a choir member who sings under the anointing of the Spirit of God or a youth group leader that invests in teenagers when they're smelly (laughs) and aggravating and loud but who walk away talking about a leader who would sit up late at night with them at a camp and love them and talk to them and point them to the things of God and point them to the hope of God. He's looking for leaders who will invest. He's looking for people to sing songs that will move hearts in times of crisis. He's looking for people who will take food to somebody that God would lead them to take food. He's looking for people who will build churches or build schools, who will make scholarships available, who will be a part of the miracle working process of God, who will offer what they can so God can do what he will. Together and separately, we can become miracle starters this year. My brother-in-law, Bob, was he's been on the move the last couple of weeks. I told a story a couple of weeks ago about something that he and my sister did and what happened. Well, he was out in the last couple of weeks, and uh, they were at a store, and there was an older lady apparently there, and she bought a few things, and And she got a credit card, a debit card out. and It didn't work right. Something didn't. She's filling, trying to find, you know, the money to pay for it and to take care of it. And Bob, being the generous guy that he is, he says, here, let me. And he takes it, steps up, and he just swipes his card. There it is, 20, 24, 25 bucks. And blesses the lady. Little, little Christmas miracle. Now, he told that to some of his friends. I don't know who he told to. He never told me who, who this happened to. I don't know who the story what, what happened but he he told the story to some of his friends and so one, one of his friends was in a store I'm told in the last couple of weeks and there's a young lady there and she was buying some baby food and and as she got out she had some some things I don't know what it was I don't know, if it was coupons, I don't know what it was she's was trying to pay for it, and it just wasn't working out so she wasn't being able to get it paid for and, and this person thought, well, you know, hey, Bob did that. I can do that. And they said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. And they went up and swiped their cart. What they hadn't noticed, apparently, was that they were just bagging up the kids, the food for the kids. They had a, another cart full of stuff up there. And it rang up for about $500. Now, I know right now some of you are passing out, right? Right? we're fainting at that, at that moment, and some of us are thinking, I want to be used of God, but not by that much. No, I don't want to be used that much. Kind of reel this back in, God, are you really sure? And this person apparently took a big gulp, which I think we all would, and said, well, okay. Okay. God, if that's what you want to do, okay. Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute. I don't know what this girl's life is like. Maybe she's Maybe she's a Christian and really just having some struggles. And God sent the right person in line behind her. Maybe she's not a Christian at all, but having some struggles. And God sent the right person to be in line behind her. But do you think for a moment, if that young lady ever looks up to heaven and says, God, where are you? that the Spirit of God won't remind her of that day? Tell I'm the stranger following behind you to meet your need. Do you think if she ever questions God's love that the Spirit won't take her to that story and say, I loved you so much that when you were struggling, I sent somebody. I'd prepared a way. Do you think that maybe that story hasn't already been told a few times? See, if you want to be a miracle starter, it may require a few barley loaves. It it may require walking up to a car window of a stranger. It may be a meal taken to a family. It may be giving a pledge that makes a ministry happen. It may be going on a missions trip. It may be a meal bought for somebody. It may be hearing God and looking for a family in need and blessing them. It may be swiping a card at a grocery store or at a a restaurant someplace. It may be the smallest, littlest thing that hardly impacts you at all. And it may be the most generous gift you've ever given to someone. The question is do you want to be a miracle starter? And if you want to be a miracle starter, you have to hear God and obey. Now, the question I have people ask me is, well, what if I do that and they don't deserve it? What if they don't use it right? What if they don't, what if they don't do things right? What if they don't deserve it? Well, let, let, me just help you. let me just help you get over that. God gives to all of us and none of us deserve it. There's not a one of us in this room that deserves the things we have. God in his grace has given to us God in his goodness has blessed us. And if in the middle of that he wants to flow through us and bless somebody else, for me to say they don't deserve it, I'm also having to remember, neither do I. I didn't deserve the gift that I have in the first place. It's all his It all belongs to him. I haven't earned anything. It's by his grace and his love and his mercy that he flows into my life. And if I've got a chance to step up and to be a conduit of his blessing to somebody else, why wouldn't I do that? And let God worry about the outcome. Let God be used in the outcome. Let him determine what's going to happen. But in the meantime... Let's be used of God. I want to be a miracle starter this year, and I hope you do too. I can just, i, I just just trying to find myself, what if everybody in our church in, in Springfield, Illinois, in Central Illinois just began to walk through life going, God, is there something you want me to do today? I want to hear you. God, if you touch my heart, I'll do it. I'll take that that step. I'll take that risk. I'll step out and do it. Now listen, you won't always find people who will say thank you. You won't always find people who say, I just called my pastor. You may find a few people who don't like it at all. I've told a story about a friend of mine who got saved. He was standing in line at a quick food restaurant. And a guy began to share Christ with him. To share. He said, I just, I just feel like I'm supposed to share this and get to share with him. And he, he cursed at this guy, told him to stay out of his business, to get away from him, never talk to him again. Left that restaurant, never seen that guy, wouldn't know the guy if he walked up to him. But within 48 hours of that meeting, he was born again. We don't know the outcome. All we can know is, the, the, is that our call is to be obedient. And if it's received with open arms, and thank you for sharing with me, praise God. And if it's received with get out of my face, praise God. Our call is to be obedient. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't weigh out the numbers and say, I've been looking at the numbers, and there's going to be a lot of them reject me. I think I just won't go. Aren't you glad he looked and he said, I'm going to go while they're still sinners and I'm going to start a miracle in their life. I'm going to give what I have to give so they can receive something that they couldn't get on their own. That's the kind of people we're supposed to be. And we can make a difference in 2017 in people's lives. And just like our family tells a story about those two ladies 80 years later, who knows, maybe this year you'll be a part of a story that people are telling, families telling 80 years later and telling into heaven because you're obedient to God. Father, in these next few moments, I just pray you'd help us to be your church. We come into 2017, Lord, and there's some in this room who need miracles of their own. They've got to be obedient and step out and do what you've told them to do. And when they do, you'll provide, you'll do what you can do. Father, there's others that you want us to be a part of being a start of a miracle in somebody else's life. So I just pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. You'd let our hunger and our thirst be to be why not Christians. Why wouldn't I do that? Why would I, why would I stop short of that? And we would follow and obey you with joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right now the ushers are going to come down and uh, they're going to pass the, the buckets. This isn't an offering of any sort other than uh, we're asking everybody just to drop your card. Now, if you're a newcomer here, you, we don't expect you to do this. Just sit back and relax. But for those of us who are part of the Calvary family, uh, I really need about 100 more people to help us here. This is a, this is a place where you can be a part of, of helping us do something great and be a miracle in people's lives. I'm going to ask you just to make a, a, a quick pledge. If you've already filled one out, just put it on there. I already did this. And drop that in that bucket as well. They're going to come real quickly down this aisle and do this. And then when they're done doing this, they're going to they're immediately pick up. Guys, just go ahead and start. They're going to immediately pick up uh, the communion. And we're going to share communion together today as we start this new year. And as, we, as we're doing this, I want to just encourage you to think about what kind of a Christian are you? Are, are you one that, boy, nothing's going to move you to do the things that God would have you to do? Wow, I, I would warn you, you need to repent of that. Are you one that, boy, I'll do things, but man, you've got you to gotta prove to me, Pastor, you've got to prove to me you really need this. Or are you one that says, hey, why wouldn't, I, why wouldn't I be involved? Why wouldn't I get involved? Why wouldn't I do something? Why wouldn't I get in the ministry? Why wouldn't I go talk to that person? And let's ask ourselves, what kind of followers of Christ are we? Amen. Lord, we owe all to you. As you can, if you can, come down close to the altar with me today, would you please? Just step out and come. When I think about the body of Christ, I think about the fact that this great eternal being, yeah, anybody that can come, come on down close to the front with us. I, I, I like us to be close when we do communion together. This all-present being limited, limited himself into a baby, came and walked through all the things that we walked through in the flesh, and then gave Himself up to the cross, was beaten mercilessly, tortured to death on the cross, when at any moment all He had to do was think the thought, enough of this the angels of heaven would have sprung into action and would have been lost for eternity. But he looked down through time and he has the ability to look through time and see every one of us, know every one of us by name and say, I'm staying right here. And now, miraculously, through the writings of the apostles, we are called the body of Christ. We're called that for a couple reasons. We have different gifts and talents and abilities that we're supposed to use to serve each other. As our bodies have different functions, we have different functions. And the local body becomes a very important thing. We're not supposed to be loners. We're supposed to be committed to each other and use our gifts to bless each other. But in another sense as well, we are supposed to go out and do what he would do. We're supposed to be his hands and his feet and his eyes and his words. We're supposed to go put flesh on his His spirit, his spirit in us, using us to do what he would do. And so today we remember his sacrifice and we remember our calling. Amen. Father, we hold this emblem in our hand that reminds us it was a real body that was broken your son came in a a miraculous way sent from you and a miracle started and now here we stand 2,000 years later the outcome of his miraculous work and Lord we say to you we honor him, we love him we adore him, we thank you for him we are grateful for him and Lord we submit ourselves to be your body on this earth. We receive this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Have you ever seen on TV uh maybe some show and they've got somebody's past information there and some of it's top secret. And so they've redacted things and all over this paper, these big black marks that have wiped out certain areas. Has anybody ever seen that besides me? I I was praying this week and I was thinking about this, this aspect that someday we're going to be at the judgment seat of God and everything we've said and everything that we've done is gonna be spoken there. And I didn't like that too much. I got some things I'd just assume y'all not know. Am I alone? No. And the Lord just spoke to me that moment and said, as far as the east is from the west, son, it's been redacted they get to those parts of your life all they're going to see is the blood all they're going to see is the blood because you've repented repentance is a key part of it being redacted friends but when we repent the blood washes away all sin amen father we thank you for the blood that washes away our sin And we come here today and we rejoice for, Father, we recognize how unworthy we are, how undeserving we are, and how perfect He is. And so today, Lord, we rejoice in the blood of the Lamb that cleanses us from all sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take together today. just a second, we're going to sing this song as a close to worship God. I know we've gone a little longer than we normally do. Hey, it's New Year's Day, okay? It's New Year's Day. You've got the rest of the year to forgive me, and we'll be back on our regular schedule next week. This has been a great day, hasn't it? Amen. Bless the Lord. Let's be miracle workers this year. Let's start them and see what God does.